Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. So from the very beginning, so, so I, I just want to explain a few things real quick. So the Christmas story doesn't begin when Jesus is born. We understand this. The Christmas story doesn't begin when Jesus was, was born. That's just a part of it because Jesus did not begin to exist when he was born as a baby. Amen. So John chapter 1 verse 1 says that in the beginning was God. Or is it in the beginning was the word? Let's find, uh, we better read that. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus, Jesus is a part of the Trinity, part of God, and Jesus has existed from the very beginning. And there is no, he's the Alpha, he is the Omega, so there is actually no beginning to Jesus. So, there, so the, the uh, Christmas story, again, doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. That's what we talk about. But that's not where it begins. But from the very beginning of the birth of Jesus, there has been this war on Christmas. From the very beginning, people have wanted to, um, has tried to use tools to, um, to just wage war on Christmas, to try to overshadow, to try to bring in doubt, to try to, to, to try to bring in just anything else, any other distraction that would take our attention off of the significance of Jesus existing and Jesus being born, Jesus living on this earth, and everything that Jesus did on this earth to dying on the cross, to defeating the grave, to being back with his Father again, and defeating sin from all of us, for all of us, excuse me. So this war on Christmas, I'm sure some of you, um, I'm sure some of you have gotten in debates with people, or um, people maybe even try to make you feel bad about celebrating Christmas. And I don't know what you believe. Uh, you know, if you don't believe in the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights and giving gifts, that's fine. You know, that's, that's, that's up to you. That's up to you and your family to decide. But I do want to say um, it makes no sense to shame others just because they celebrate the coming of Jesus a little bit differently. You guys with me on that? Amen. So there's been this war on Christmas. And, uh, and I understand. I'm, I'm not naive enough to think or to believe that Jesus was born on December 25th. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. He was actually born closer to Ju- June or July. Um, but that's okay. And, uh, and there's all kinds of arguments and there's all kinds of wars on Christmas. And there, there are a few tools that I want to share with you this morning. And uh, they're, in, they're all in your notes. But I'm going to go ahead and, and, and tell them to you. And then we're going to go through them. So there's a few tools that, that the enemy, Satan, the devil, that hell itself uses to try to wage war on Christmas. Number one is doubt. Second is selfishness. Third is pain. Fourth, it's not in your notes, but just write it down, busyness. Just staying too busy. And then the fifth is change. 
So it's doubt, selfishness, pain, change, or pain, busyness, then change. So let's pray and then we'll, get, we'll jump into this. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence that we've already felt in this place. We ask you, God, that you'd speak into our hearts, speak into our lives this morning. Help us to understand your word, help us to receive your word, but God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. 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 So find Matthew chapter 1, chapters 1 and 2. So if you like to uh, read the Christmas story with your family, um, Matthew's chapter 1 and 2 is good. And then Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 40. Uh, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 40 is, is a lot more positive. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 and 2 kind of have all of the, the negative, not necessarily negative, but all the uh, rough details of the uh, Christmas story. So let's, let's look at doubt. And let's go to Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. So what has happened now, for those of us that may not, may not know, what, what happens is the angel Gabriel actually shows up to Mary, this young lady who is engaged to a man named Joseph to be married. And when Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, shows up to Mary... He, he greets her with, blessed are you, favored woman. Mary gets a little freaked out. She, the Bible says she thinks, what kind of greeting is this? And then Gabriel says, don't be afraid because God has chosen you to, be, to give birth, to be pregnant, to, be, to give birth to the Savior of the world. Mary says, how can this be if I've never known a man, I've never slept with a man? And, and uh, Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit is going to come over you. And you will conceive a child, a son. And you will name him Jesus or Emmanuel, which is God is with us. So Mary gets this visitation from Gabriel. She's from the angel Gabriel. She's impregnated by the Holy Spirit um, with Jesus. And then her boyfriend or her fiance, Joseph, shows up. And Joseph realizes that she's pregnant. And I can only imagine Mary trying to explain, I didn't cheat on you. I haven't been with anybody else. It was the Holy Spirit. There's a few things that I've tried to blame on the Holy Spirit. It never works out well. Some people do some weird things in the name of Jesus. Yeah? Some people do some terrible things in the name of Jesus. Terrible picket signs and, and uh, make fun of people, talk bad about people. And so I imagine Joseph is just thinking, what in the world are you talking? This, this woman has lost her mind. What do you mean you're pregnant with God's son? And so Joseph, now, and I love this part. It says that Joseph was an honorable man. And so he didn't want to divorce her publicly and make a scene and shame her. But he thought within himself he's going to leave her secretly. I just, I think that says a whole lot about what kind of a man Joseph was. Um, But nonetheless, as he's thinking these thoughts, then the angel shows up to him. And he lets him know, hey, your fiance, she's telling you the truth. She actually is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and it actually is the Son of God. 
And so from the very beginning, there has tried to be this doubt over this entire Christmas story, over the entire, every, uh, around everything that surrounds Jesus and his birth and God and their existence. Because if Satan can get us to doubt who Jesus is, how he came to earth or who he is as a person, who he is as a God, if he can get us to have the wrong perception about God. That's why he's used this tool so many times to confuse people about who God is, make people think that God is an angry God. Well, nobody wants to love an angry God. You see, if he can confuse us, if he can put doubt inside of our minds and inside of our hearts of to who he is, how he came to existence, and what who he is for us, then he can keep us from serving him. He can keep us from worshiping him. He can keep us from living for him. He can keep us from giving our lives to him. And then he wins the battle over our souls. So from the very beginning, there has been this doubt that has been breeding and trying to give birth. Because if he can make us doubt who Jesus is, then we won't live for him. And so it started out with Joseph doubting, you know, is, is, is my fiance really telling me the truth? And now today there's all kinds of people with all kinds of twisted thoughts about who Jesus is, about who God is about who he loves and who he doesn't love, about how he, we should treat others. And if you have, the different, if you have a dif- different political standing than I do, then that means you're going to hell because I'm always right. doesn't matter if I'm on the left or I'm on the right. I'm right, huh? That's the way people think anyways. And God must hate you because you're doing this one thing So it's my job to let everybody know that God's mad at you. You see, and it's just Satan trying to put doubt in people. It's just Satan just trying to put doubt in people's hearts, in people's minds. Make them doubt that there is a loving God that will forgive them. Make them doubt that there's a powerful God that can change them. Make them doubt that God really does take their sins and, and separate them as far as the east is from the west. If he can breed doubt into our hearts and into our minds, he keeps us from giving our lives to God. So that's one of the very first tools that Satan uses to try to, to wage war on Christmas. I actually just jumped my opening statement. I just realized that. So the war on Christmas, I want you to know, is nothing new. But it has already been won. Okay, so the war on Christmas is nothing new. This, it, this isn't just new theology that's starting to come out today. And, and it's not just people trying to change uh, signs and, you know, happy, instead of saying Merry Christmas, now say Happy Holidays. Or I've never really got that. What difference does it make if we say Happy Holidays or ha- Merry Christmas? Are we really that sensitive? Come on. Anyways, I'm not going to get off into all of that. But, but this war on, on Christmas, the war on the birth of Jesus, the war on celebrating who Jesus is, it's nothing new, but it has already been won. You know, we know, we know that God wins the, ultimately wins the fight. We know that he ultimately wins the war, right? We know that Satan is actually under our feet. He's under the feet of Jesus. 
We know that there is forgiveness for our sins. We know that there is a loving God. So this war, it's nothing new, and it has already been won. So let's not, listen, let's not freak out. Let's not get drawn into these huge arguments and debates. A, a, a preacher that I really like, a pastor that I like to listen to, he calls people that, that feel like it's their job to defend God every opportunity that they have. Uh, they, he calls them pit bulls for, G, for Jesus. Um, you know, people that just think that they have to tell everybody um, that they're wrong. People that have to tell everybody how wrong they are about God. And anyways, anyway, so the war on Christmas, it's nothing new and it has already been won. So we already looked at doubt. Let's look at selfishness. Matthew chapter two, verse three. Matthew chapter two, verse three. We'll start in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him. Why was Herod the king troubled when he heard that Jesus had been born? Because they were calling him the Messiah, because they were calling him the king. And Herod's thought in his mind, he did not want to share his kingdom with anyone. He didn't want to share. He didn't want to share his ruling. He didn't want to share his kingdom with anyone. So whenever he starts hearing that there is Jesus, the king, was born, he sees, he immediately begins to see him as a threat to his kingdom, as a threat to what he knows and what he has and how he lives. And it was selfishness. It was the selfishness of Herod. That again, tried to bring in doubt into other people's minds. We'll look at this in, in the next point. But, but what, what Herod does is he tells these wise men, let me know. Go find him, worship him. And when you come back, come and tell me where he is so that I can go worship him. But that's not Herod was wanting to do. Herod wanted the wise men to come back and tell him exactly where he was so that he could go or that he could send someone to kill Jesus because he was not going to share his throne, his kingdom, what he had with anyone. You see, and I think sometimes we can get caught up in the selfishness as well. I think sometimes, and maybe not even all about the gifts that we're receiving. Maybe it's not even I want to get, get, and I want to get, and I want to get, and I want this, and I want that, and I want this. Sometimes it's even just... As, as weird as it may sound, but the selfishness of giving, like we want to make sure that we give the biggest gift. We want to make sure that our gift was the best gift. And it's not so much out of a good heart and out of a pure heart, but more of a, because I want to show everybody how good I am at giving gifts. That's weird, I know. But it happens. You know, I'm sure we've all, experience it like you're doing a gift exchange and there's a limit of 20 bucks and then somebody gives them an iPhone like where'd you find an iPhone for 20 bucks dude you guys with me 
You know those kind of people? And it's not because they're so generous. It's really out of a selfish heart some way, somehow, that they they find to do that. You see, whenever we begin to make everything about us and about the way that we feel in these times and how we feel uh, at Christmas and how we make other people feel, when we do that, then we leave absolutely no room for Jesus. Whenever it's all about me and it's all about my feelings, all about what I want, then there's absolutely no room for Jesus. And it's a shame that we have taken a, a holiday and a time that was supposed to be, that is supposed to be all about celebrating Jesus, all about celebrating who he is, what he came to this earth to do, what he has done for us. It's a shame that we've taken days that are meant to celebrate that and we've turned it into how much can I get and how much can I give to someone else. It's a shame that we've made the focus, that we've turned the focus from just celebrating Jesus, being in awe of who he is, and we've made it now all about those 45 seconds that it takes to unwrap that gift. You guys with me? So when we begin to put our attention on those things, on those material things, Again, that's, that's, that's a tool that Satan is using. He, he's taking our attention from here and he's putting it there. He takes our eyes off of Jesus and who he is, what he has done, and he puts it on, look at how good of a gift you were able to give to your kids. Look at how, look at how good of a father, look at how good of a mother, look at how good of a husband, look at how good of a wife, look at how good of a brother or sister that you are because you gave this gift. You see that joy that they have on their face right now? You did that. And I'm not saying that all of that is bad. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying let's not make that the highlight because it was never intended to be. You know, sure, the wise men brought gold and myrrh and, and, and just incredible gifts, but it, wasn't, it was never about the gifts. It was never about the gifts. It was always about Jesus, the king that was born, the Messiah, the savior of the world. So let's not get sucked into selfishness and putting our attention on materialistic things, but let's make sure we keep our focus and our attention on Jesus and who he is. Let's make that the highlight of the day. So when the wise men finished worshiping Jesus, what they did is they, they got a vision or, or an angel showed up and tells them, do not go back to King Herod because he wants to kill Jesus. And so they go around. They don't, they don't go back to King Herod. It takes, I don't know how long it takes King Herod to figure it out, but he, fig- he figures out, man, these guys aren't coming back. And so you know what he does? He, he, he writes a law. He sends out a decree. And he says, every baby boy under three years old is going to get killed. Every baby boy under the age of three, kill them. Bash your head against the rocks, throw them into the river, 
do whatever you have to do, but kill him. Every baby boy under the age of three. Because he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know who his parents were. He was just trying to get it done. However, and, and he didn't care what the price was. So imagine if we rewind and we put ourselves back 2,040 something years ago. And you see, I have a son right now who's three years old. So if I'm living 2,047 years ago or however long ago it was, if I'm living back then, then soldiers break into my house and they take my son. And they kill him however, whatever it takes. More likely they do it right in front of me, they do it right in front of his mother. After they do that to me, how can I celebrate the coming of a Savior. You see, after they do that to me, after they do that to my son, after they do that to my family, it's extremely difficult for me to put my attention on how great of a Savior Jesus is. It's not so much a highlight that Jesus was born in my life anymore. Because every time I think about the birth of Jesus, all I can think about is my baby boy that got killed just because he happened to be about the same age. You see, Satan will try to use pain in your life. And for some of you, this is a painful season. Because you've lost someone. Because it marks just another holiday that you're not getting to spend with your loved one. Let's not let pain rob us of the significance that a Savior was born. Because even... Even if it would have cost the life of my son at that time, the significance of a Savior being born, it's hard to say, but it is worth it. You with me? I want you to know this. If you are that person and these days are extremely painful for you, I want you to know that God is near to the brokenhearted. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. Make, write it down, write it on your hand, put it on your mirror, put it on your fridge, put it on your door as you walk out, put it on your, put it in your vehicle when you're driving down the road, you can glance at it. God is near to the brokenhearted. And just know that, just know that one day you'll get the prize of being in heaven with your loved ones again. Know that one day the redemption, because a Savior was born, know that there's going to be a day where we will never feel any pain ever again. There will never be another tear cried. We'll be in absolute awe of his wonder. So from the very beginning, Satan tried to use pain. He put that and he sowed those seeds in Herod's heart to go out and kill every young baby boy. And the thousands of parents mourning. I can only imagine how difficult it had to be for them. Years after years went by, And they begin to hear of this Jesus who's performing miracles. They begin to hear of this Jesus who's healing the blind and he's supposed to be salvation. And all they can think about is, yeah, 
That's about how old my baby boy would be. I can only imagine how difficult it had to be for them to get past that. And I'm not trying to belittle your pain. But just know that God is close to the brokenhearted. God sees you and God loves you. Another tool that he'll use, it's not in your notes, but another tool that, he, that, that Satan uses to try to just distract us is keep us busy. These shouldn't be stressful times. Right? It shouldn't be stressful times. Celebrating the birth of our Savior shouldn't put us deeper into debt. Amen. At least that one was worth it, man. But it shouldn't. But what happens, and this is this has just become culture now, is, is we just we make ourselves so busy. And we're so busy that we begin to stress about everything because we just don't have enough time to do everything, to make everything, to buy everything, to give everything, to wrap everything. And so another tool that he uses is he just keeps us busy. And so there, there are these two women, Mary and Martha. And uh, Jesus shows up in their house and, and, and uh, one of them is cooking, one of them is cleaning and preparing the meal because Jesus is in her house. And the other one's just sitting at Jesus' feet, just talking. So the busy one comes in and she says, he's, she says to Jesus, don't you care? Look at, she's making me do everything. And Jesus says, Martha, you're so worried. You're so stressed out. You're so busy. There's only one important thing. And Mary has chosen this one thing. To sit at the feet of the Savior. Listen, don't get so busy that you get stressed. That you get frustrated. That you... You know, your kids are going to get excited and break things. It's just happens. That's what kids do. Don't get so stressed out, so busy, so overextended uh, that you don't even get to celebrate, that you don't even get to just have peace and relax. You guys with me? Amen. Don't allow Satan to use that tool because Everything has to be perfect. Don't allow Satan to use that tool to keep you from focusing on Jesus. The fifth tool that Satan will use is just simply change. You see, because if Herod were to acknowledge at those times, if Herod were to acknowledge that Jesus really is the king, not a king, the king. What that does is it diminishes his kingdom and makes him feel not so powerful, not so great, not so in charge. See, a lot of people will fight Christmas and will fight the fact that Jesus is real, the fight the fact that Jesus did come, that he did live on this earth, that he did die on the cross, that he did defeat the grave, because if all of that is true, then we have to change the way that we live. If there really is a heaven, if there really is a hell, 
if, if it's true that the narrow, that the gate really is narrow, if it's true that not all dogs go to heaven, or if it's not true that all, all dogs go to heaven, you ever watch that movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven? Not all dogs go to heaven, man. None of the big dogs make it, I'll just tell you. I don't like big dogs. But if we begin, if we, if we acknowledge that what the Bible says is true, then doesn't that challenge our lifestyle just a little bit? Doesn't that ch- challenge the way that we think, the way that we talk? Right? I mean, it, it, if it's true, if it is true, what the Bible says that one day we'll be judged for every word that come out of our mouth, then shouldn't that change what comes out of our mouth? Amen. You see, so, so, so many people would rather just fight the truth than to accept it because it means that they would have to change. So I just want to encourage you. I know that you believe that this word is true. I know that you believe that everything in this Bible and everything in this book is true. So this is, this is the challenge that I want to give to you. I just want to challenge you to not justify yourself. I just want to challenge you to just live by what the Bible says. Don't try to twist it to make it convenient to your lifestyle. But twist your lifestyle to what the Bible says. So Christmas is not about the date. Don't get caught up in that. Oh, Jesus wasn't born December 25th. I don't care, dude. I'll tell you what, I know, I know people living, I, I actually do know a few people living today that don't know when their birthday is. And that's no joke, because they were born in the hills of Mexico, where they don't even know if it's June or November. And they, don't, they really don't know when their birthday is. So whenever you ask them how old they are, they don't even know how old they are. But every now and then, they still celebrate their birthday. Amen. They might be off like a day or 11 months, but they don't care. Listen, it's not about the date. Don't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Amen. It's not about the gifts. Don't get caught up in that. It's all about the Savior. It's all about Jesus. So listen, you celebrate with your family however you want to celebrate with your family. If you want the tree and you want the gifts, do it. More power to you. If you don't want the tree, you don't want the gifts, it's fine. More power to you. Because that's not what it's about. We can make it a part of our celebration. We can decide not to, whatever. But it is all about the Savior. And if a coworker, if a family member, if a friend tries to lure you into this argument, don't listen to it. Uh, Paul said, I believe it was in Galatians, but he just says, don't get caught up in stupid arguments that don't build anything. What do you have to gain arguing with somebody about Christmas? What are you going to win? 
play stupid games, win. That's the way it is. So don't get caught up in all those things. It's all about the Savior. Do anything else that you want. Just make sure you keep your attention, you keep your focus on the Savior. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.thurmanmodelchurch.com.